0: buyers and this is successful associations today. This is part 2 of my conversation with Elizabeth Bailey, founder and CEO of 2B Communications. Elizabeth and her team help associations identify and implement new pathways to success and sustainability. Their research provides actionable insights that make a difference for associations from value proposition and member engagement to branding, communications, and governance. Elizabeth and I met when we had a, a shared client, though we weren't working with the client together. I had an opportunity to watch Elizabeth uh, present some of her findings to uh, our mutual client, and I was hooked, and I've been recommending her to uh, clients ever since. One of the things that Elizabeth and I had talked about recently was the fact that many association foundations are struggling finding it difficult to even raise enough money to cover staff salaries, let alone finance the work of the foundation. So, Elizabeth, let's start with how important the case for giving is and how a strong case makes fundraising less difficult and a foundation more relevant.
1: Well, it's interesting. Um, A a lot of associations have um, planted the foundation seed to grow one flower. Right. They it came, you know, they, they had an opportunity, perhaps there was a, an individual or a foundation that, um, w- one or more, that wanted to give them a grant for a project or some type of project, or they wanted to start a scholarship program or something like that. Um, most of the time, what I see is they were sort of a one-off, and there wasn't really a strategic thinking approach around why do we need a foundation, what is our true case for giving? Why would people care? Why would they support this? Um, oftentimes what I see is sort of this, oh, we'll do a quick email annual fund kind of thing. And members get sort of confused about what they're being asked for. And it's, it, it all is for naught. They don't raise much money and they burned up a bunch of staff time trying to keep the, the foundation going. So the case for giving really means Why should you exist as a foundation? Is there a compelling enough reason to have this standalone entity that requires the board and all of the things that go with having a foundation um, or not? Um, If you just have one project, you can probably use a a fiduciary agent and, and do the same thing without having a whole foundation in place. So that's the first question that they really need to ask and do some soul searching around. So part of it is the,
0: is this a one-time need or an an ongoing opportunity for us? Is that fair?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, there are plenty of uh, organizations that have a real reason to have a foundation. Um, You know, we have a music-oriented client right now that really, um, there is a true love for both the, the musician and the instrument that they represent. And um, there really is a very compelling reason. There's not a lot of people in the space, and they have a wonderful opportunity to do something important outside of just the mission of the association itself. Um, so, so they're a great example of, of an organization that has a really strong why around this.
0: So when you work with a client on a case for giving, what typically happens in terms of the steps that you move through?
1: Well, first we really look at, you know, what is it? Why is it important? And how relevant is it to your potential donor audience? So, you know, I think, you know, everybody can kind of relate or most people can relate to sort of a a university's model and they have this whole pipeline of potential donors who probably have generally some real vested interest in wanting to support their alma mater. And those reasons can vary, but there's a connection. Um, a lot of times, so we start there, like who, who would care and what would that look like? You can take a campaign oriented uh, approach where you really have something very specific and it, it, you raise the money for it and it's kind of done. Or you can have an ongoing kind of annual fund, major giving program, maybe even planned giving program if people are going to include you in their wills. And that requires a lot more feed and caring and a lot more giving opportunities um, within maybe the bigger idea of the case for giving.
0: So I like, like, me, you've probably seen many passive, non-personalized approaches to fundraiser. And like you said, we'll just send out an email and see what happens. And most of them provide disappointing or lackluster results. Um, the passion is there. Uh, the earnest desire to make a difference is there. But the process that we're using, and as you've said, the case for giving isn't strong. But a strong case makes it easier um to fundraise. So you just mentioned a couple of models and you've also mentioned that some of them require a lot of work. Uh, you know, a large donation being, uh, you know, left in, in a will is very different than a one time smaller donation. How have you seen a compelling case for giving effect results for an organization or foundation?
1: Well, so uh, we worked with a large education, National Education Association some years ago that um, they had sort of a a lackluster foundation when it came to raising individual money from educators that were kind of loosely defined as maybe some scholarships to go to the national conference or, you know, not even really very many just sort of direct and member kinds of grants and things. But what they really had an opportunity to do was to have more of sort of a, a, a center for innovation approach where their foundation was all about bringing in larger grants from pr- primarily foundations, corporate and private foundations, to fund pilots and other programs that would help advance the field. So that was an example of a sort of cut bait on the individual giving and really focused on these larger grants that were specifically designed to help advance the field and try new things that could then be replicated around the country. And they had some success around that for the um, music organization that I just talked about. I spoke a little bit about, you know, they had both a compelling instrument and a compelling group of of musicians that um, highly skilled musicians. So there was a real, there really is truly a want to, Support both of those things, and they, in their case, are just leaving a lot of opportunity on the table because they haven't actually built a true fundraising infrastructure. They, they just, you know, they get money in. In fact, they just got some very large individual uh, plan gifts that people just cited them in their wills, but they aren't doing very much proactively to go after that. And so they are now uh, in the process of. Really staffing where you have a major gifts officer that's managing, you know, doing donor research and managing a portfolio of, you know, 100 plus prospects and and really actively doing moving it forward. And so they're going all in uh, on the foundation side and they have a reason to.
0: And I'm guessing once the model is determined that it's easier to decide on the roles for volunteer leaders with varying levels of comfort and experience, and you've divided them into three categories. you talk to us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, well, you know, we do a whole bunch of work with charitable nonprofits, and I actually, my very early in my career, I was a fundraiser, and I mean, higher education and otherwise. And so what I learned from working with boards over the years is most people are not built to be fundraisers. Right. They think of it as sales. They think of it as, as, you know, pressuring people and friends. And it's very, very uncomfortable for them. So I think it is important if you are going to be in this game to provide an on ramp that 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 matches people's skills and expertise and kind of brings them along. So I like to think of the first sort of the, everybody can be a connector. Right. If we all understand what we're raising money for and we all are passionate about the mission and the cause. Then we are going to help make connections to people and, and organizations that that could help and whose passion matches what it is we're doing. The next level person uh, has a little bit more uh, openness to being part of the fundraising process, and I, I call them builders. And they work more closely with staff uh, at the at the organization to, you know, really go out and cultivate and talk with potential donors and help to build the case and talk about the why and can do that very articulately. And hopefully they're, you know, they they are very conversant in the strategic plan and in the, the things that, um, that we're really striving to achieve. And then the final group, they're, they're your closers. Those are the folks who you can really count on, who have been trained and are able to and willing to make the ask and, and help to close it. Um, and, you know, it sort of it can be a progression. Sometimes you luck into a closer right out of the gate and they've done it at other places and are happy to help. Um, but I think it's setting a baseline expectation that if you are on the board of a money-raising entity that you do have a role to play is step one.
0: And I think that's so important. I've been with foundation boards doing strategic planning retreats, and I hear repeatedly uh, well, I'm not really good at asking for money or I'm not comfortable asking for money. And, and you have to kind of wonder why they're on the board, you know, what, what expertise they bring. And maybe they are a connector. Um, maybe they're a builder. Maybe they're not a closer. Um, but I think sometimes we need to, as you mentioned, set realistic expectations for our board members um, I'm guessing that closers are probably uh, a rare breed. Is that a fair assumption?
1: <laughs> well, I, I can't think of any organization um, that we work with that has enough of them, right? But but with training, you know, all of this comes with, just as we talk about governance training and board training, there's also, you know, training around all of this, right, that gets embedded in it. And it, as you can help people really refine Um, and and connect in a heartfelt way around their why. What are they passionate about in terms of this organization and and what you're raising money for? And then help them to see and understand the mechanics for sure, but also that fundraising is about sharing your passion with other people that may share the same passion Um, and finding out within that, okay, I really, you know, I'm passionate about, you know, education, or I'm passionate about healthcare, or animals or whatever it is. And then really exploring and, and understanding what they're interested in and seeing if you can, you know, find a match. And not everybody will be a match. Fundraising is not hard sell. It is not this package thing, one size fits all. It's very individualized if you're talking about sort of, you know, more one-on-one individual giving. Um, And then you can support that. You can feed the pipeline by having a good annual giving program that helps you identify people who have a little bit of interest and are giving the smaller dollars. You know, you sort of work a whole system around that.
0: So sourcing potential donors is important, too. You're not, you know, if if you're asking your board just to go out and knock on doors and talk to anybody begging for money, obviously that's going to be very different than if you're uh, giving them the name of six or eight people who are likely to be passionate about the purpose as well
1: well they're good development programs always have good donor prospective donor research and strategy uh, as part of their DNA they're not just sending people out to make phone calls cold Mm -hmm. Um, I was in a meeting you know earlier this week for a client that you know has a pack And one of their board members has, has stepped up to lead the pack and be the chief fundraiser. And he's what you want. He has made his own donation and he's very passionate about it. And the organization has really worked with him to identify what, you know, what would be appropriate in terms of asks. And, and also in the, in the case of a pack, there are so many rules you have to follow to ensure that they're following all the rules. So, um, you know, there's all kinds of things. Once you get into the political side of things, the game changes and there's a whole bunch of rules you have to be aware of. So every every organization needs to get a little bit sophisticated around this, depending on what they're doing. So
0: you and I both see foundations or even PACs, for that matter, um, that, that don't have a compelling reason and uh, I'm actually seeing some associations have difficult conversations about whether they should even continue the foundation because their results have just been so lackluster for so long and they feel like they're spinning their wheels and staff is divided between the association and the foundation and maybe they have uh, association staff that isn't really trained in fundraising but they've been assigned to the foundation so, what advice? What would be the first couple of things, and especially with your fundraising background, what advice would you give to an association that either needs or wants to boost the performance of its foundation?
1: Well, I would have the the, the real conversation about why why do we exist, and why do we believe we have a you know prospective donor base to support this? What evidence do we have of that? Um, and and really start there. And if you can't honestly answer that in a compelling way, then I think you have to be willing to, you know, to cut bait if, if it's not working. I have had clients over the years definitely uh, let go of their foundation arm and look for other ways to fulfill some of the, the needs that that, you know. They may have been filled through that, although they're very limited, to be honest with you. It was more of an energy suck than it was bringing things to the association and to the foundation. Um, there are other ways, as I mentioned, that if you, you know, have a project or you want to use a different entity to serve as a fiduciary agent for you, there are other ways to do this without having to form your own organization. Uh, you know, and there are experts out there that help you set up those things. Um, And and so that's all very doable, too. There's not just one way to be able to, you know, to raise some money for a project or projects if if you want to. So you've actually seen associations,
0: when you say let the foundation arm go, do you mean actually close down the foundation? Yes, I do. And I think that's something that we're going to probably see more and more of. Um, I I think there's a little bit of um, shame, maybe, or disappointment uh, a feeling that if we just uh, put a little more energy and effort into it, we can make this work. But I think uh, it's, it, it's important to have an honest conversation about return on investment. And uh, really, going back to the why, is our why still relevant? And is the foundation the best way to meet that, uh, as, as you've said? So um, any closing thoughts as we wrap up here in terms of uh, foundations or fundraising?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's uh, I mean, we have a a world out there that has a lot of a lot of nonprofits, you know, and um, another way to think about this is to be very partnership oriented and to really look at, hey, if we we didn't have a foundation or we weren't going this alone, is there somebody we might partner with that would that is a a nonprofit that we could somehow collaborate with around some strategic goals or some priorities that we have. I I don't think you have to always go it alone.
0: And actually I think collaboration is the new currency. Mm -hmm. And if you want to go further and faster, collaborating is the way to do it because if it's, if it's you alone working out there, you've got limitations on time, on expertise, on resources, But if you can get some others uh, kind of uh, pulling the rope with you, pulling the weight with you, um, I I think that's where we can really start seeing foundations to make a difference and make an impact. Elizabeth, I always love having a conversation with you. Thanks for joining me today. This is Mary Byers with the Successful Associations Today.